Chapter 5 of the Seaboard Parish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Seaboard Parish by George MacDonald. Chapter 5 My Dream. I think I will tell the dream I had. I cannot well account for the beginning of it. The end will appear sufficiently explicable to those who are quite satisfied that they get rid of the mystery of a thing when they can associate it with something else with which they are familiar. Such do not care to see that the thing with which they associate it may be as mysterious as the other. For although use too often destroys marvel, it cannot destroy the marvelous. The origin of our thoughts is just as wonderful as the origin of our dreams. In my dream I found myself in a pleasant field, full of daisies and white clover. The sun was setting, the wind was going one way and the shadows another. I felt rather tired, I neither knew nor thought why. With an old man's prudence, I would not sit down upon the grass, but looked about for a more suitable seat. Then I saw, for often in our dreams, there is an immediate response to our wishes, a long, rather narrow stone lying a few yards from me. I wondered how it could have come there, for there were no mountains or rocks near. The field was part of a level country. Carelessly, I sat down upon it, astride, and watched the setting of the sun. Somehow I fancied that his light was more sorrowful than the light of a setting sun should be, and I began to feel very heavy at the heart. No sooner had the last brilliant spark of his light vanished than I felt the stone under me begin to move. With the inactivity of a dreamer, however, I did not care to rise, but wondered only what would come next. My seat, after several strange tumbling motions, seemed to rise into the air a little way, and then I found that I was astride of a gaunt, bony horse, a skeleton horse almost, only he had a gray skin on him. He began, apparently with pain, as if his joints were all but too stiff to move, to go forward in the direction in which he found himself. I kept my seat. Indeed, I never thought of dismounting. I was going on to meet what might come. Slowly, feebly, trembling at every step, the strange steed went, and as he went, his joints seemed to become less stiff, and he went a little faster. All at once I found that the pleasant field had vanished, and that we were on the borders of a moor. Straight forward the horse carried me, and the moor grew very rough, and he went stumbling dreadfully, but always recovering himself. Every moment it seemed as if he would fall to rise no more, but as often he would be found fresh footing. At length the service became a little smoother, and he began a horrible canter, which lasted till he reached a low, broken wall, over which he half walked, half fell, into what was plainly an ancient, neglected churchyard. The mounds were low and covered with rank grass. In some parts, hollows had taken the place of mounds. Gravestones lay in every position, except the level or the upright, and broken masses of monuments were scattered about. My horse bore me into the midst of it, and there, slow and stiff as he had risen, he lay down again. Once more I was astride of a long, narrow stone, and now I found that it was an ancient gravestone, which I knew well in a certain Sussex churchyard, the top of it carved into the rough resemblance of a human skeleton, that of a man, tradition said, who had been killed by a serpent that came out of a bottomless pool in the next field. How long I sat there I do not know. 
but at last I saw the faint gray light of morning begin to appear in front of me. The horse of death had carried me eastward. The dawn grew over the top of a hill that here rose against the horizon. But it was a wild, dreary dawn, a blot of gray first, which then stretched into long lines of dreary yellow and gray, looking more like a blasted and withered sunset than a fresh sunrise. And well it suited that waste, wide, deserted churchyard, if churchyard I ought to call it, where no church was to be seen, only vast, hideous squares of graves. Before me I noticed especially one old grave, the flat stone of which had broken in two and sunk in the middle. While I sat, with my eyes fixed on this stone, it began to move. The crack in the middle closed, then widened again, as the two halves of the stone were lifted up and flung outward, like two halves of a folding door. From the grave rose a little child, smiling such perfect contentment, as if he had just come from kissing his mother. His little arms had flung the stones apart, and as he stood on the edge of the grave next to me, they remained outspread from the action for a moment, as if blessing the sleeping people. Then he came toward me with the same smile, and took my hand. I rose, and he led me away over another broken wall, towards the hill that lay before us. And as he went, the sun came nearer, the pale yellow bars flushed into orange and rosy red, till at length the edges of the clouds were swept with an agony of golden light, which even my dreamy eyes could not endure and I awoke, weeping for joy. This waking woke my wife, who said in some alarm, What is the matter, husband? So I told her my dream, and how in my sleep my gladness had overcome me. It was this little darling that set you dreaming so, she said, and turning put the baby in my arms. End of chapter 5